for our sponsor, Dog Overboard Adamstown, the fun and healthy place for dogs. Pet Chat on your pet-friendly radio station, 2NURFM 103.7. Anyone else have that issue where your mouth just keeps going but the words aren't coming out right? (laughs) What is going on here? Just you, Sarah. Just me. There you go. Well, (laughs) thankfully, we've got our Pet Chat crew here who will be doing all of the talking. Cheryl Shaw, welcome. Wonderful (laughs) to have you as always. Thank you, Sarah. Lovely to be here. I'm loving the animal print shirt that you're wearing. Animal print today, yep. Yeah, you know, it's my absolute (laughs) favourite. I'm already championing for animal print mask if we do have to wear face mask compulsory Mm. Mm. and dr david tabret welcome to you as well no animal print today bit of a shame you've come cash you've been swimming oh yes (laughs) you've been swimming in the baths are you crazy i I feel like i'm tougher (laughs) (laughs) an iron man stupid but tougher there you go No, it was fantastic it was good to get outside and stretch a bit yeah, a bit choppy, though, in the water. Yeah, a bit choppy, a bit chilly, mm. but, you know. You did it. How many laps? I did a kilometre. Oh, oh. show off. <laughs> Very impressive. Now, Cheryl, in just a couple of minutes, we're talking about birds. What's prompted this today? Oh, it's all about people moving into apartments and still wanting to have a pet. And some don't want to have a dog or a cat because there's a lot of responsibility there, but they want a companion. So I thought, let's talk about birds and what's ideal for companion um, living in an apartment. It's a good idea because we're seeing so many more apartments going up, even locally. Yeah. So, and, and the options aren't there to have dogs or cats. A lot That's of the time right. you can't. So. And some people are just too busy finger on the pulse here on Pet Chat. Cheryl, talking about birds, more and more people are in apartments or just don't have the time to have a, a dog or a cat and a bird could be a good option. Oh, look, birds are fabulous little pets. They're easy to look after. They're inexpensive usually unless you get an exotic breed um, and they are great little entertainers. Also, their housing is pretty um, pretty cheap, pretty inexpensive, and you can get some really, really lovely cages that are quite decorative for your apartment living. But the best thing about birds is that um, they do give you some com- companionship. Now, you need to find what's going to suit you, you know, whether it's going to be a songbird, if you're wanting a talker, a bird that you can hold and interact with. So you need to carefully consider what type of bird you want. One of the things that we need to make sure that um, you don't go along the the path of thinking, oh, I'll get um, something like a cockatoo or Major Mitchell or a macaw because you're going to have neighbourhood problems because these birds can be extremely loud. Often they screech and, you know, they're best to be avoided in that situation. Oh, okay. That'll be more more dramas more if dramas, were to do yeah. that. When okay. you've got that close living, you need to be considerate of, you know, just how much noise a bird is going to make. On the top of the list for the most popular apartment birds is the little budgerigar. They are so cute. They really are. They come in so many colours. I they're, love them. They they're just so pretty, lovely. aren't they? Yeah, and they don't mind being handled as well, so you can take them out of the cage and interact with them, which they really enjoy. Um, they're able to mimic a lot of sounds, and so, you know, you, if you've got a bird, um, often they'll repeat things that they hear regularly, and also they can talk as well, so they're quite a lot of fun to have around. And they can be affectionate, you said, Cheryl. They yeah, very They can get to a point where they, you can take them out and they'll sit on your shoulder or head. Yeah, yeah, and they do like that interaction. They do like humans and contact. Um, you do need to make sure that you start very early with them, playing with them and getting them used to coming out of the cage and having, you know, their time with you. Um, and they're pretty ha- um, happy, healthy little birds as well, providing you, you know, giving them their fresh water and seed and stuff and cleaning their, their cage. They're really simple to look after. 
they do need some things to play with when you're busy. So, you know, you need to give them activities that they can have, some little toys or bells, you know, mirrors, things like that. Budgies always really enjoy um, playing. So they're a nice little little size bird, but um, very pretty, very pretty little birds. The other bird that's quite nice, if you're not wanting a bird that you um, interact with so much as, as look at and listen to, is the, the canary. They're not hands-on at all, so you know you're not going to be taking the canary out of the cage. They're okay. definitely a cage bird, and they can get frightened by children. So you need to make sure that you know you're, you're caring for them properly. They are bred for the colour. They're also bred for confirmation and their song. And the males are just delightful. And if you get a male bird, you'll be really happy with the song that they sing. The trouble with canaries, they can be a bit messy with their seeds, so they tend to sort of spread their seed around, so you're going to need a dustpan close by. Okay. (laughs) Um, I've got a canary. I actually have a few canaries, but in my house I have a canary who's a beautiful whistler, and we, when he was very young, let... Uh, we paid, played CDs for him of, of whistling birds <laughs> and he's got oh. quite a song list. His playlist is amazing. So he's very entertaining. So is it more the males that's, yes, that whistle, the males not the females? Yes, it's the males that whistles. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, oh, that's they're, clever. They're really that's a yeah. great idea. So you trained him. Oh, well, he was whistling anyway, but because we kept putting the CD on repeat, he goes... Was that uh, ACDC? Or? <laughs> Back in no, black. No, yeah. it wasn't that one, Dave. <laughs> Very clever. Something more symphonic. Yes, yes. Another little... The birds, perhaps. The birds, yeah. (laughs) Here we go. Okay, Um, we'll stop. Another little bird that's just delightful and many people find um, very bonding is the cockatiel, and they're a pretty little bird as well. Um, They're very affectionate and they're friendly. Some can be taught to whistle, but um, they're more inclined to be screamers, so you need to make sure that you keep everything calm. So um, they do develop strong bonds with their owners, and they require lots of interaction. Lovebirds are another bird that can be um, very entertaining, but if you're going to have a lovebird, you need just to have one because they bond together. So it's really important that you only have one and never separate a bonded pair when you're looking at purchasing one. They're not speakers, but they do mimic things. So they'll mimic the doorbell, the telephone, the microwave, all of those sort of sounds that they can make. Um, And, yeah, they're just really interesting little birds, um, the lovebird. So if you're thinking about what sort of bird, these are some of the ideas. And consider having a bird as a pet. They really are quite entertaining. My nan has a cockatiel and they are loud. Yes, they they can can be. They can be really (laughs) And it does the phone ring all the time, the ringtone, like... Oh, it's so annoying. But we love it. But some it. people find that really entertaining. So they go, oh, listen to my bird. Yeah. You know, he can imitate this and that. So, yeah. It is funny for the first five minutes. But, <laughs> you know, Nen, Nen's hearing's not as good as ours. So, <laughs> so it drives you insane, Sarah. No, we love Maybe it. she needs a canary. Maybe she does. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, there you go. A bird is a very good option. And that song was at Whistle Dixie that you played. <laughs> No. 49216216. Now, David, we've actually had someone contact us Ah. via the email uh, with a question, and I thought maybe you could do an early answer. That would be nice. All right. I don't want to put you you on the spot I was going to say, you didn't give me much time to prepare. I know, but, you know. This is a. This is so good at your craft. Interesting question from uh, Angela Garland, who wrote in um, to Pet Chat and said that her, her dog is a staffy has skin allergies and they seem to be mostly on the feet and chest and what can we do to help? Yeah. So that's, um, as we know, quite a common kind of question that we get. For staffies in particular? Well, 
pretty much every dog. Okay. However, it's interesting because, um, you know, Staffies have a short coat and particularly this one is interesting because the problem is on the feet and the chests. So this tends to suggest that there could be a contact allergy um, and the dog is lying on things or its feet is coming into contact. So what would I be thinking of? Grass would be the first thing. Okay. You know how they lie out on the grass? They'll lie with their legs stretched out. So they've really got a lot of skin exposure. And because they've got such short hair, uh, the grass is directly in contact with the skin. And so, um, you know, it's pretty hard to kind of limit the exposure in that circumstance. It's not like you can say, stay off the grass because um, <laughs> they'll often just be out there all day, every day. Um, so there's a couple of things you can do, Angela. First thing is whenever your dog does go outside is to wipe their feet and belly down with a damp cloth because what you're doing is you're actually taking any pollen or grass seeds or even just those small flakes off the skin and limiting the exposure. It doesn't seem like much, but it does often make a big difference. Second thing is to use a regular... Uh, soothing shampoo so an aloe vera um, you know coconut uh, shampoo is often quite good with um, with dogs with these conditions it may or may not need a medicated shampoo as in an antibacterial sometimes we'll find when we examine the skin it's so irritated that now they have a, a secondary bacterial or fungal infection okay and so in that case we'd want to use a antibacterial shampoo now in terms of doing that probably would need to be doing if the skin's particularly bad probably twice a week um to really soothe the skin down and then the third thing is speaking with your vet make sure that we get infection under control and sometimes there's medication and we have a whole range of medications so steroids are sometimes used but we try to avoid those antihistamines can be used nowadays we actually use some drugs that modulate the inflammatory response so allergies are a form of inflammation so we we can use drugs that modulate that and decrease the amount of reaction so there's a few options there and a few avenues to explore to try to get there and there's another thing david once they're under control if they're using a jacket over on their dog to minimize the amount of contact they're actually having on the ground is another good solution once you've got everything under control yeah yeah good point because uh if you do have you know, inflamed skin and you put the jacket on, that can make it worse. So make sure it's under control first, yeah. 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 Now, we had someone ring in, David, uh, and she wanted to know, Cheryl, you might be able to answer this as well, uh, is she best to get a canary from a pet shop or direct from a breeder? Hmm. Well, either way, it just depends. When you're looking at a bird, you need to make sure that the bird is healthy and that the environment it's in is really nice and clean. But often going to a breeder is a really good option. Um, We prefer, when I'm buying anything, to go direct to the breeder. I recently got some quails and I got them from a breeder. Um, It's just that's the ideal way to go. It's a hard question, but the problem is that in a pet shop, they're exposed to all sorts of, you know, people coming and going and animals and you don't know if there was a sick bird in there the day before or not and the other thing is that birds have this thing called a preservation reflex so they'll actually if they're sick they will pretend to 
look far better than what they are. They have quite unique abilities in their physiology to shift fluid around. And if you think Uh about it from a survival instinct, if you're in a flock and you're out in the wild, the last thing you want to do is look like you're sick Mm. because you'll get picked off by, you know, a falcon or something. So they have this preservation reflex, which means you get the bird, it's stressed out, so it's looking actually quite healthy. You get it home and two days later it doesn't look so happy. So you've just got to be really careful. Okay. And I guess that applies wherever you get them from, but you would be able to get more of a sense from a breeder of to what their conditions are like. Steve, welcome to the show. You're in Barnsley. Now, you've got a dog that's almost deaf, but you've got a question about the uh, silent dog whistles and whether that'll actually work on your dog. Yeah. That's an interesting question. I've, you know, I've been doing this show 12 years or something, or I've never had this question. I, that's a, 10 out of 10, <laughs> 10, out of 10 for a unique question. I'm going to say no, it won't oh. work. So it depends on the dog and the nature of the deafness, but pretty much the the process of hearing involves um, mechanical transmission of uh, air waves through the eardrum, which then activates these tiny little bones, the hammer, staple and anvil, which then causes a fluid wave to shift in the inner ear which bends a little f- uh, like fine hair which triggers an electrical symbol signal which then gets interpreted in the brain. So which part of the process has not working to cause the deafness? So we do see congenital deafness in certain breeds and generally that's thought to be a brain problem. Um, and so in those dogs it doesn't matter. They're never going to hear anything. Well, if- she's... She's 19 next month. Okay. Wow. And, uh, um, she's a curly, but um, I, I'm a little bit concerned with neighbours. Like, I've got to really yell at her yep. loud yep. for her to take any notice. Yeah. I don't think a silent dog whistle, which is really, they're not silent, they're just operating at a much higher frequency that we can't hear. Oh, yeah, yep, yep. So it still really works on the same principle as normal hearing. I generally, when I found with dogs that are deaf, um, usually people just have to, they'll use hand signals or flashlights or, um, you know, throw soft toys in front of the dog to get their attention. If, if her back's facing me, she can't take hand signals. Yeah, yeah. If she's facing me, yeah, she does. I have seen someone carry a water pistol. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) You can shoot them in the butt. Don't shoot them in the head. No. But the idea is just to get their attention. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I said the soft toys. I've seen people throw soft toys in front of them. Yeah. As well, and that works. But generally, the dogs just like to stay around the house because they don't want to get into circumstances where they don't know what's coming. So the bottom line is just because it's a higher frequency, no, it won't they work. still need to be able to hear. It's not like a vibration that, or... No, that's no. that's exactly right, yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm getting a water pistol. <laughs> oh, Steve's going to... He's going to be Steve. hitting up the Have toy fun. shops now. <laughs> water pistol. Now, uh, line two. Now, Honey from Aberglasson, you have a dog that's a little bit overweight. Oh, I better take the line. I think she's gone. Hello, is this Honey? Yes. 
I just heard them talking to me, but I was dead on this line. Oh, just just turn your um radio down, please, because it's a bit hard to hear you. <laughs> now, overweight dog. Yes. I have a little miniature dash hound that I recently acquired. And when she was, uh, when I got her, she was 8.2 kilos, which is rather huge for a small dog. Mm. And I, I've managed to get a kilo off her by just feeding her the recommended dosage on dog food labels. That's very good. Well done. Yeah, so far so good. But she seems to have come to a screaming halt (laughs) (laughs) for the last week or so. And I'm just wondering if there's anything that's a bulky type of food that doesn't have the calories perhaps. Um, There is, there is. So there's a couple of things to keep in mind here. First of all, we need to work out what is an ideal weight for your dog. Yeah, well, I've had them before. I've had mini dachshunds before. And my my upper limit was six kilos. (laughs) Okay. So there there is obviously a bit of variation between individuals. Um, But if you've got a bit of an idea, you're probably saying, well, we want to get another kilo off and then then we'd be closer. Um, A good... There is a guide to... You can look up guides to body confirmation and weight. So there are breed weight ranges, as you know, but then... Yeah, sure. The way to look at a dog is if you stand over the dog, you can look at their waist, so in front front of their hips. Yeah, well, her waist has not been improved much since I got her. She was a bit of a barrel right. and she's got a little bit of shape now but not not enough. And then and then if we look at the side, what we want to see is the belly coming up towards the legs, back legs, not just going straight across. Yeah, that that has improved quite a bit. There you go. So that's I mean one kilo in an eight kilo dog, that's twelve percent. That's a pretty good weight loss. What time frame did that happen over? Uh, over about Oh, 11, 10, 11 weeks. Excellent. She lost about 100 grams a week. That is exactly what you need to do. So we normally aim for about a three-month period to reduce that weight. If you go faster than that, um, you often get a bit of a rebound and it comes back on. And if you go slower, it's kind of hard to notice and people lose motivation. Now, you mentioned that you've come to a grinding halt, you think there's another kilo, and you're absolutely right, we just need to change the food. Um, And that's quite common for this to happen, and as uh, any human who's tried to diet, you often make a few easy gains in the first month or two, and then it seems to be harder to get those last few resistant kilos off. And this is because the body has a very, very good... Uh, safety uh, yeah, feature safety is yeah, it says yeah. don't don't starve me I'm going to conserve energy so what her body is doing is it's changing its metabolic rate to adjust to the calories <laughs> so we have to kick it up a, a gear um, there's a couple of different weight control foods you can get commercial ones at the pet store but you yeah. can also get prescription diets um, they're called RD is one of them uh, that's made by Hills, and they're calculated yeah, very carefully yeah. to suit 
your dog's weight, target weight. And a lot of vet clinics run um, weight clinics. So you take your pet in, they'll work out the dose of food, prescribe it, and then you go back for checkups. And I think if you do that, you'll have no trouble getting yeah, the yeah, rest well, of the way Yeah, I've got to go off. and see the vet again next month anyway, so I'm keeping a good eye on her because I was a bit worried when I first got her. I took her straight over to my vet and said, check her out, please, and make sure she's not crooked, you know. Oh, well, sounds <laughs> You've like, done well. Yeah, You've done well, honey. I think I might pop around to Honey's house and she can put me on a diet too <laughs> for the next few weeks. <laughs> Might get some results. Welcome to the show, Val. You're in Pelican, and you're just wondering about the lifespan of a cockatiel. Yes, I've, I had him from a baby. We raised him from a baby, and um, he's 20 years old now. Um, oh, very wow. possessive. Yeah, very possessive. Um, uh, can't move without him. Can't make a noise. Can't do anything. And he's, <laughs> he's just got to have attention 24/7 when he's not asleep. And um, <laughs> yeah, I'm just wondering how old. Did they get to? <laughs> I think oh that's gosh, pretty it remarkable. Yeah, 20's pretty good. Yes, and he's, he's as well as anything. Like, he's yes. good appetite and, and he's um, he's just, you know, as if it was a baby again. So I just, you know. <laughs> so you've got to watch out for a few things. The one thing I, I used to work in a practice, we saw lots of birds, Um was we used to see uh, cockatiels at that age get problems with their feet and they can often get sores on the bottom of their feet. So they've mm-hmm. got to exercise with different perch uh, materials and diameter of the perches that they sit on. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they'll get pressure sores. Okay. Um, the other thing we see is kidney disease and um, that will cause gout. Okay. And so they'll get these white deposits um, on their toes and it can actually be quite painful. Um, we can treat them with medication. Sometimes they require surgery, but oftentimes the kidney disease in that case is quite limiting. But just be a lookout on his feet to make sure that you're not getting those white deposits. No, there's nothing there. And he gets around like a, a two-year-old, as the saying goes. <laughs> That's amazing. He just goes from one side to the other, wherever I am. Yeah. Um, and I've got to put my finger in and, and he's got to come up and get his neck rubbed and things like that. And um, Yeah, he's just like as if he was, you know, back to, back to a baby again. He's just uh, very demanding and um, <laughs> very demanding. And, and really, um, you can't move. You can't make a sound because as soon as you do in the morning or, or anything like that, he screeches and he just wants attention and... That's it for the rest of the day. So. Yeah, as oh as goodness. Cheryl was saying earlier in the show, they they do bond very strongly, mm. cockatiels, and um, you know they're an Australian flock bird. They primarily will hang out in flocks of small groups. Okay, um, they're not like budgerigars are in flocks in the wild of mm. hundreds. Yeah, uh, whereas cockatiels are in much smaller groups, but they're very affectionate birds. So. Um, yeah, and I think very demanding. Yeah, <laughs> I think twenty twenty years is is quite good, and I think we just value every every day that you have. Mm. Yes, because he doesn't look any different, and he talks, and he, and he knows me, and he knows my um, words that I say, and he repeats them to me, and uh, you know he's um, he's very uh, affectionate, but he's also very noisy and very <laughs> very annoying. <laughs> I, at I got the impression you were hoping that you know. 
the lifespan wasn't 30 years, for example, Val. Well, that, that's very true because, you know, it's very, um, you can't go anywhere. You can't do anything, you know. You're leaving with somebody and I think, gosh, he's noisy. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know. it's um, So, well, yeah, I guess I'm, <laughs> I'll just have to wait and see. But he's yes. as healthy as anything. He's got oh. nothing wrong with him or anything like that. It's oh, good on you. Yeah, that's good, a good, story. good to hear. So 20 is obviously very old, David, by your reaction. Yeah. Mm. Have, have you known many cockatiels to go to 20? Maybe one or two. Okay. It's been a while since I was in bird practice. What, so. a, what about you, Cheryl? Oh, that's a really old bird in my in my opinion. Mm. Okay. Yeah. But one of the ways she might be able to keep him a bit quieter is to keep a cover over him until she's ready to interact. Yeah, yeah that's right. You don't have to get them up first thing in the morning, although at this stage I think we've got lots of... Um, Habits. Yes, 20 years. Pretty of... hard to change now. Absolutely. Oh, and they just rule the roost when they get old. You know, you just let them do what they want. That's how I treat Gizmo because they're just, you know. Every day special. It. Mm. Yes, they've earned it. <laughs> uh, we are talking pet chat, 49216216. I think we do have another caller, although I can't pick it up at the moment. So, David, if you're, you're listening out there in uh, reception, there we go. He's got it flashing for me. Hello, we've got Phyllis from Lemon Tree Passage. Now, you're asking about treatment for birds with gout. No, 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 I'm not asking about birds. I'm telling you, well, I'm suggesting that one of the best things you can possibly give birds for gout is cherries. Cherries. And oh. it absolutely works. I haven't heard that. No. I'm, yes, I'm a bit... Bird, par- yes. I've bred birds for 20 years. Yes. And we had um, exotic birds and we had birds that we lost due to um, gout. Yeah. And I did some research and cherries actually eliminates it. Cuts did- down the uric acid yep. and prevents the problem um, occurring. So if you've got birds that have got a bit of age on them... Um, giving them a cherry a day. It doesn't matter whether it's a juice or a, uh, a, an actual cherry. It doesn't make any difference as long as they get that into them that will definitely um, help prevent ch- um, gout altogether. There you and go. I've actually proved it on human beings as well. Oh, so when cherries aren't in season, you're saying if you buy a cherry juice, that is sufficient? Yes, yes. or you, I do believe that you can actually get um, cherry capsules. Yeah, um, that's true. Which, yeah, which is another thing that you can give them. Um, usually in, in um, situations like you've got with cockatiels and things, probably just giving them the fruit is the best thing. Um, if you've got lorikeets or um, nectar-eating birds, well, obviously, then you can put it in their um, their nectar or as a, as a fruit as well. But it definitely, definitely works. I can, I, I'd almost guarantee it. Oh, well, Phyllis, thank you very much yeah. for the advice. I know there'll be a lot of people out there with birds that go, OK, we'll give this a whirl. Yeah, but so... Those fruits, like with the purple or the dark fruits, contain lots of antioxidants, which is probably the major mechanism. So could you do blueberries then? Some of the seed mixes actually have fruits in them, like cranberries and stuff like that. Mm, So mm. some of those, you know, upper marketed ones do contain fruits. It It will cut down on the uric acid production, as I was just reading a little study on that. Um... But if if the cause of that is actually kidney, kidney disease, I can't see anything at the moment that says that it changes the outcome of the kidney disease, but then we always manage gout through dietary adjustment in people similarly. Okay, there you yeah. go. Um, let's go to Lynn now from Valentine. You've got a question about a quaker parrot? Quaker. Quaker, oh, quaker sorry. <laughs> quaker parrot. Thank you very much. 
Um, yeah, so I've had him for about seven years now. Yep. And he is very much my bird, very um, selfish towards me and other people. Like, he wants me to be with him all the time, constantly. Yeah. But now, in the last maybe two weeks, when I have him on my shoulder, he just nabs at my head and right. bites. And it's been such a sudden thing. Yeah. I just wondered if you had any idea what it could be. Now, I do remember this question being asked frequently when I was working in a bird practice, and my advice was don't put him on your shoulder. Okay. Well, I have stopped that. Now, I, I'm, it sounds facetious, but the first thing is let's just stop the behaviour that way and then we'll work out what's going on. But oftentimes birds will do that either for a whole lot of reasons and it could just be they're bored. It could be that uh, there's like a mutual grooming thing that they go, oh, I'll clean up your hair while I'm here. Um, oh, no, they're very savage attacks on my head. <laughs> well, maybe a savage attack to a person would be friendly uh, yeah, behaviour to a bird. So, yeah, sometimes they'll do it just because it's there and they will just want to use their beak to bite. They they really, you know, they've only got claws in a beak to engage with the environment. Um, and it does reflect, though, a degree of kind of ownership of your space. Yes. <laughs> so that's why I said... You, yes. So you need to cut back on that first of all. And oftentimes that's all you need to do. You'll find that it'll actually settle down. Um, maybe other toys, uh, lots of different flowers, plants, um, branches that can provide stimulation so that we're getting control of behavioural, uh, you know, frustrations. So I think off the shoulder, lots of toys and just limit the amount of handling so that we can break the cycle. Okay. All Thank right. Thank you very Lynn. much. No worries. Thanks, Thank Lynn. you for the call. Uh, these Quaker parrots, they're, so they're little? Um, or, or are they quite, no, can they get yeah. quite big? They're, they're, small. s they're smaller than a, um, a cockatiel. Teal, yeah. yeah. Okay. But oh. bigger than a canary. Yeah. About yeah. the same size as a lovebird. Yeah. Very interesting show today. Thank you for everyone who phoned in with your questions. If you didn't get your question, uh, remember you can always send us an email as well. Mm. Go to the Pet Chat pet chat show page on <laughs> urfm.com. Look, it must be time for me to get off the air now, don't you You need think? a coffee. I think I do. Cheryl Shaw, David Tabret, wonderful no to have you in Thank as you. always. Thank you. Of course, Pet Chat will be back next week at the same time. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.